0: Intent and revenue potential data to help you accelerate
1: revenue. Thanks for listening.
0: Welcome back everybody to another episode of Study Side Up. I'm your host Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited today to talk to Tammy Shering about Once Upon a Time in Sales. Tammy, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Asher. Great to be here.
0: Well, before we go into the topic, uh, sorry, before we go into your intro i wanted to hear why you chose Once Upon a Time in sales as a topic. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Oh, I'm just such a lover of the power of story. And it's actually uh, known that in research that for children, when they hear Once Upon a Time, it actually has their heart rate slow down. They really start to get focused in because they know they're going to hear a story. And I... I love stories so much that in my renovated office during COVID there's actually on the back behind my my desk it's actually written in pretty glittery letters it says once upon a time so
0: superb so tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today
1: well i you know like many great stories they happen to you not by you in the sense that i fell into sales i didn't mean to i'm a Grew up in Silicon Valley and I do have a degree in mathematics and was actually planning to work on my doctorate in math. And I don't know, maybe it was in the water here, Asher, but tech kind of pulled me in. And I was always an extrovert, an athlete, and I loved telling stories and you know, had no idea that there was actually this job out there where you could take your your real interest in very technical things as well as your interest to be you know really working with people talking with people all the time and conveying big ideas and here was this beautiful career where these two worlds came together for me and i guess the rest was history and that was a number of years ago and i fell into it by accident and it has had such a grip on me ever since that it's all i've done since i graduated university in 1993
0: Superb. So every sales leader has a framework, right? And since we're calling your framework Once Upon a Time in Sales, right? Do you want to elaborate a little bit on your framework and uh, and tell us how we think about how you do
1: sales? Sure, sure. I'd love to. You know, and earlier in my career as a sales rep and, you know, I got my first outside field sales job very early in my career. I remember I couldn't even quote unquote, legally rent a car, I don't know, it was a really hard thing. I was so young and I was traveling. I knew from an instinctual perspective that the heart of selling is relationships. And even though there was a lot of different sales methodologies that were out there at the time, and some things were going, being you know kind of pushed my way, um, I really felt the way I could do this job out in the field very well was one, build really intense connections, true relationships. And two, know my product so intensely that I didn't, I never regurgitated things. I never had to memorize that. I really knew it. And the third thing I knew was talking about what my product did, didn't fire anybody up. What fired people up was when I shared the stories And so it took a number of years as I moved forward in my career and became a VP of sales about 20 years ago, that I then got challenged to say, okay, great, you've been a top rep all these years, but how do you teach people to do it, coach people to do it? What is your framework? And I took those three core principles and over the years, I've learned why these were the core things at the base of my success as an enterprise software Salesperson, and it's what I taught and coached my teams and hired for, and really that whole keep your product in the in your pocket and talk about what you do through the power of a customer story has been that linchpin, and the ability to really build those connections and really know your product, which at the end of the day was all actually about listening, Asher, because when you really know what you're talking about. You're not constantly thinking about the next thing you're going to say and trying to not forget what you memorized on that PowerPoint. You can really be present and listen.
0: Superb. And, you know, as you were saying that, and I'm thinking about how selling is still the same, but very different at the same time in what we're going through, right? And and one aspect of selling which is cultivating champions or nurturing champions, right? Because I think LinkedIn and all these amazing tools out there uh, and photo friend options, right, always help us get to those champions, right? But you can't cultivate champions by just telling them about your product and your features and your functionality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? I feel like there's a connection between the two, but what are your thoughts on it?
1: Definitely a connection. I, I think that, you know, as as you know, humans—we're wired for connection, and we um, we're thirsty for it. And I think that even in the most complex, difficult sales cycles, in the most complex times, like we're in now, from an economic perspective, and you know, COVID and everything—is that it comes down to people, and people do things for people. And there's just countless stories I could share about where it came down to that, you know, person wanting to take that, you know, extra huge leap in order to get things done at a certain timeline to meet our requirements and that it really is about that connection and I think people don't realize that you can make a connection so quickly and that the root of connection is vulnerability. So when we show up our true selves, We take off the mask and we share, whether it's, you know, running into somebody we've never met before. Back in the day, it would have been on a plane and a restaurant. You know, nowadays it's a little more difficult, but that, you know, even that first phone call, uh, when we show up and we go first and we're open, we're authentic. Magic is what comes back to you is that person's version That we have these mirror neurons in our brain and they fire where we will sort of mirror what we see. And when you have the courage to go first and show up and be open and vulnerable, then the amazing connection happens and it happens very fast. And that's when you know you start in these types of times where you're trying to get somebody on the phone or you want to get a referral to somebody else. you know, working your LinkedIn contacts and all of that fun, when you can make that kind of true connection, even just for a matter of seconds or minutes, you're a lot more memorable than the one that's coming in spewing the facts. And um, those things aren't really sticky. They don't really uh, resonate and they don't get stored. But the stories, the vulnerability and true connection does.
0: Superb. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit and you don't have to answer. You can just say skip like any of the board games that we play, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> okay, Asher, I'm waiting. Okay, ready.
0: <laughs> because I really want to know this, right? Because it's so timely and half a dozen people have asked me this question, right? Uh, but and again, it's related to that whole like cultivate champions, nurturing champions, right? Do you have a story of one of the most difficult Champions that you had to cultivate or nurture, and how you got that, how did you build that connection with that person and then ultimately made an ally out of him or her?
1: Yes. Oh, do I have a story? Oh my goodness. So, we we did this deal uh, with one of the biggest Wall Street firms. And in the process of doing this deal, there was an executive involved who really understood what we were doing, he was advocating for us. But there was this other person on the team that wasn't quite at that executive level yet. And he was so vocal. He had used a competitive product at another company on Wall Street. And he was like, to say he was passionate would be an understatement. And he fought and fought and fought and it became sort of this knife fight. And we kept you know, working with the the executive who was making the primary decision, but someone on his team just really wanted to go another way. And it got a bit contentious, but, you know, always very respectfully. We would listen to his arguments and his counterpoints and often it was given to him by this competitor. And I think at the time, it was more that it was what he knew and he felt very safe with this solution. Although what they were feeding him wasn't very defensible. So it was a tough line to walk, because you don't want to just be like, oh, you're wrong. And, you know, kind of get that opening and just sort of, you know, slam that person's point. So it took a lot of uh, nuanced, you know, discussion to say, you know, that's a great point. And I hear you, I can see why that's the perception, and really take on the ownership, that the misconception was our fault, right? Not this, you know, person that was trying to, you know, have this counter um, approach that it was really our issue that we hadn't communicated this. And we hadn't been able to make this clear at that point. And um, so we walked a fine line because, you know, in my heart of hearts, I wanted to go, oh, I'm like strangle this person. So, but the real part of this story <laughs> Is we actually so we get the deal right now? Fast forward, it's um, I think about five years later. He his star has risen, and he is now the CISO of another very big financial services company. And that company had started working with us. And I heard that he had joined, become the CISO. And I go to this really big meeting. My company just got bought by HP at the time, and uh, we walk into this big you know, 15 people on both sides kind of meeting. And there's two empty chairs in the room. And uh, this CISO had not arrived yet. And so I'm sitting there and this person walks in the room. And I kid you not, he's looking for the empty chairs. There's one next to me. So I, I, I sort of raise my hand, smile, and I say his name and I say, hey, there's a seat next to me. And I kid you not, Asher, he said, Tammy, like, I would ever sit next to you. And my heart just fell. I was like, and it's in front of literally like days before HP had just acquired us. These people, these execs in the room didn't know me really. And it was like, oh, I'm mortified. Right. But to be honest, I just had this I don't know if it's just complete determination to a fault at times, but I was like, what is behind this? And I had the courage. To tend to a story. And later that night, serendipitously, we end up at the same party during this conference. And, you know, I took a drink up to him and I smiled and I just said, you know, I would love to talk about the fact that sitting next to me in a room is such a (laughs) horrible thing, you know? And um, he didn't want to talk to me, Asher. But as we kept talking and I kept tending to the story, you know, what I found out was, you know, he really did hold this moment in time in his career uh, as very troubling because he felt he was right. And you know, at the, by the end of the the evening, um, you know, we kind of like had broken through and found ways to just talk about other things. And I think he saw me as not this villainized, you know, person. Um, you know, five years ago, and we found that we had a lot in common. And happy to report. He's like one of our biggest fans now. But I think in that moment, it's tough. I mean, every part of me that wants to be liked was like, not only does he not like me, it's like it's third grade and I've got cooties or something on the playground. And he doesn't want to sit next to me. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just having that courage to to say, tell me more uh, and sit in that comfortable situation even longer to then kind of get to, what's really behind it and have that opportunity to, you know, get past it.
0: Wow. What a story. <laughs> that that was great. And thank you for sharing this because sometimes it takes time you know, and, and you have to give the respective relationship time and it may not work out and it's okay, but, don't give up on people. You know, that's something that I've learned, at least in my career. And clearly, I have a number of years to go uh, to get to your level of expertise. But, uh, you know, you, you all keep trying. You have to keep trying.
1: Definitely. And at the end of the day, you know, there's this perspective that I have. You know, we're all human beings. Unless someone has some mad skills, we put our pants on one leg at a time. And at the end of the day, we are just this base you know, human. Um, you know, human level, and that when we can remember that, even if it's, you know, having a meeting with someone you're just like so enamored of, which happened to me as a female executive in tech, I had an opportunity a few years ago. I had this ninety minute one on one meeting with this luminary, and I was so like freaked out. Like, what am I going to say? What are my goals for the meeting? How is it going to go? What am I going to wear? It was a Friday. And I thought, I knew she was going off to ski right after the meeting and probably in her private jet. And I was like, I want to look nice, but I don't want to look like I tried too hard. It's Friday. It was kind of our casual day. And in the end, I, re- I actually said to myself, Asher, the key thing is I got to show up all Tammy. I don't have an agenda. I'm going to let go of the agenda. I'm going to show up. And my only goal for these 90 minutes is I know I am 100% no mask all in Tammy, which meant I absolutely had to wear my lucky Burberry pants because they're just magic, just stand alone. They're magic. When I wear them, it's just like, oh, you know, I didn't care if I was too fancy. The Burberry pants had to be there. And um, it was just such a great meeting.
0: This episode is sponsored by Burberry we'll be sending them a bill.
1: <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'll take a scarf. They can send us scarves. We really like their scarves, Asher. What about your pal
0: Asher? Like, you know, how about two scarves?
1: I said scarves. I said girl, <laughs> <Like O. C>. For sure. <laughs> and they can be for, you know, all boys, girls, everybody. They're just crossover. Yeah. Like,
0: I, have, I have a daughter. She's four. It's time I get her started, you know? <laughs>
1: Watch, watch out on that. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I say this and then like, you know, hopefully we're friends for 10 years from now. And they're like, so Asher, about that podcast episode yeah. and that Burberry scarf, how's it treating you? You know,
1: yeah, How'd that go? How'd that work out for you? You know, having a 20-year-old daughter? Yeah, if I started her at... <laughs> For oh uh, yeah, I have to look at that. a called Target. Yeah. There you go.
0: So, so I want to also talk a little bit about you know for people who are aspiring to have a command of the product because a lot of sales training programs force people to have a command of the message right but then people don't have a command of the product and i feel like if you want to tell a story in the most natural way possible you've got to use the product and get to some level of an outcome so that it starts to feel personal right and then and then you have to spend time with the people who are using it and hear their stories and and then in the in somewhere in there you can actually tell stories after that, right? But that's my recipe of how I've done it. What would you say would be your recipe of getting to a point where you can tell stories?
1: Yeah, I mean, Asher, that's a great point, and I think actually it's somewhat to do with story, but I actually think what you're getting to is is actually the key to being able to listen when you're in a sales role, and I'll tell you why is that when you get to know a product so well you're you're not running that that you know movie in your head while the other person's talking because you're so afraid you're going to miss something you're not going to ask the right question you're not going to grab that segue you're going to forget to to like put out that fifth point that you think is really going to just hit it home and you know being able to just actively listen and i think that being able to really know your product, I challenge everybody to get creative on that front. And depending on what the product is, I've gravitated towards very infrastructure, very, very technical solutions. I've never sold what I would call an application, where it's, you know, like something that does a function that you could go use, um, you know, right now, like, it'd be more like, My products have always been applied behind the scenes in a super technical way that I couldn't even have access to the systems to apply them. But there's always a way to get deeper and be curious. So take the pieces of your product that you can touch and feel and try and use yourself. And if you're in a situation that, you know, you could actually be a user of what you sell, Oh wow, like there's a terrible saying eat your own dog food. I don't even know where that came from. But the fact that, you know, if you keep using what you're actually representing and become an expert, total game changer. And like I said, it's it's it really is about that confidence. Like if you were to ask me about my products, I don't need to try to direct the conversation in certain ways. Of course. I need to to kind of keep on a certain flow, but there's an element of I feel confident because I've gone and poked around. I've gone to engineering. I've asked the questions. I've sat in the meetings where you know maybe the head of sales or the sales rep isn't leading, but I've taken notes and I've gone to those proof of concept meetings and I've followed up with the customers. So again, that key word is curious and be vulnerable enough to ask the question when you don't understand. How many times do we hear that acronym and we're sitting there going, I don't know what that means, and but we don't want to look, quote, unquote, silly? The silly thing is to suffer in silence. There is no silly question. Um, you know, When you're digging in, people love showing how much they know. So give them that treat. Ask the question. 100%.
0: Uh, by the way, Microsoft came up with the term eat your own dog food in the nineteen eighties. I know this because we just talked about this this morning.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We use it so much in tech, and I I never knew where it came from. Came from, and every time I say it, I cringe because I'm like, ew, what is that? (laughs) Who eats dog food and why is it your own? I don't understand.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you would not think that Microsoft would come up with something like that, you know, because there's so much about tech intensity and all these other things. Uh, But they actually came up came up with that term so.
1: oh, I learned something here Asher for sure
0: <laughs> so I guess is there a wrong way to do all of these things I know some of this is very captain obvious right see we've talked a few of a, a, a few things but I guess maybe what we can do is is if you have some advice on hey if you did go wrong how do you write it
1: Yeah, there was kind of two questions in there and I really want to answer both of them because the first one kind of unlocks something in my mind immediately. So you, you sort of ask, can you do these things in a way that's not effective or quote unquote, the wrong way? And when I talk about connection, right, like that real open, no mask, you show up your whole self, you're all in. And, you know, the beauty of that is when you do that, You're gonna get that in return. And that's where real connection is made. And you know, I've been a Brene Brown fan way, way longer than you know, she was you know Oprah's friend and you know, this huge phenomenon, but her research is so spot on, like it is indisputable, and so many pieces of research that vulnerability is the source of connection. Now, where I've seen it go wrong, however, is when people have read these things or heard talks like this and they go, okay, here's the thing. I need to show up and I need to build these connections. And if I show up and I'm like, quote unquote, vulnerable, but then when people think about it in a way, like as if it can be manipulated, like, okay, I'm going to show up vulnerable. What does that mean? Okay. I'm going to come and I'm going to just like, forget I have any, uh, any emotional intelligence and actually show up. Just spewing all of this stuff, but I think at the heart of it is when you is the, the nuanced difference between really showing up or showing up trying to force something. So I'll use this comment where I'll say, "Let go of the outcome." When you're so prepared and you're so present in the moment, if you if you literally let go of this like full on like I have to get this next meeting, I have to close this deal, that it's all about the outcome. Because I have seen these these approaches backfire when people go into it going, I really want to get this person to open up. And so I'm going to just like kind of play as a part. And um, those things really do backfire. Um, And then the second part of your question was the time, I think you said, where I've made a mistake. And the mistakes come, I think, when we, we do not make time for the listening. I think that the whole reason we share stories is not actually just about the story and the beauty that stories are so consumable. We're wired for story before we even had language, Asher. We were sharing stories. So our, our like whole physiological makeup. We're wired for stories. And when we hear them, we end up, they're these consumable, beautiful things that we can carry forward and retell. However, we only really do it, I think at the heart of it, is actually to get the other person's story. So those mirror neurons fire, and you know how we talk about in sales, all the qualifying questions, and all of these things, yet, you know, no the buyer is savvy, the buyer is no longer going to sit there and be interrogated. But the beauty of story is when we share our story, we typically get the story back. And what I found is a huge abundance of those questions I wanted answered, get very authentically answered through the story. But if I go too long, which maybe that's what I'm doing on this podcast, you get to a point where you don't get to hear, you know, maybe there's not enough time left, because that's really why I'm sharing is I just want to hear your story, Asher.
0: Yep. I mean, so I can wholeheartedly agree. And as you're saying this, I'm pretty sure there's like seven people who I really wanted to be authentic in front of, but I just wasn't. So, (laughs) so if they're listening, I apologize.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Authentic leadership, authenticity, you know, maybe it's a term that's getting overused in a lot of ways, but it's, it's, it's never, I could think it could never be more present and never more needed in our world today that if we're showing up authentic and all in and real, I mean, just, I actually would train my teams on this. So these are concepts that many people would say our quote unquote, soft skills, you know, you got to be born with them, you know, nurture versus nature. And, you know, can you really help people become better listeners, be able to show up authentically, um, build connection, you know, and the reality is you can. And it has a lot to do with kind of rewiring our thought process. I mean, just saying vulnerability, most people will say vulnerability is a weakness. And I'll smile knowing, Once you get through the training session that we're going to do, you're going to realize the big secret is vulnerability is the ultimate strength. And so some of that rewiring, not through telling somebody something, but showing kind of like that old 80s movie, Karate Kid, Um, you know, Mr. Miyagi has Daniel's son paint the fence and wax the car. And he's going, when am I going to do karate? well, you were doing the karate, right? And that's what we do in these um, story leaders workshops that I bring to my, my teams is that ability to kind of show and create these new pathways in the brain to uh, really reflect on the fact that they feel, see, experience these new connections like vulnerability being a strength.
0: Fantastic. And, you know, I would like to tell the audience that, if you asked Ta- oh, who Tammy is in in front of people who know you, they would actually say that you're a very authentic person and you have a love of people. You're no, you have a no BS ethos. You know, uh, one person even said you're you're the best manager, mentor, and friend that they've had in their entire career. Yeah. So I would Aww. say <clears throat> Tammy is the real deal right here.
1: Well, thank you, Asher. You know that same. Mentor luminary that I mentioned in that meeting, there was a moment when she said to me, she said, you're the most successful, your company's the most successful acquisition in the history of this very large company. Um, She said, what are you the most proud of? And I thought about it for a minute and I said that the number one goodbye among my team is I love you. And there's no amount of money There's no amount of success that could ever top that, Asher. And um, yeah, it's what I'm the most proud of.
0: Wise words. All right. Well, let's move into a little bit of fun part of this podcast. Who would be... Now, this is going to be interesting, right? Because now you have to top you. (laughs) So who would be two other people that you would recommend that are as passionate about go-to-market or sales as you? as a guest
1: okay so um, number one is Peter Harrison. So Peter was really my first VP of sales uh, when I was when I was a rep and um, he allowed me the space to do these things that at the time were considered quite wacky. Now he was getting the results he wanted but the way he made space for me, as a leader with this amazing, you know, welcoming of this authenticity and this power of story. And I'll never forget this one we, we our company was on the rise. We had just gone public and we had this huge award ceremony. And I was the top rep. And he stood up at the podium and um he was telling the story about someone. Of course, they're like, you know, I, I'm not sure if it's me, I'm hoping it's me, you know, and He, um, he had asked me one point he was going to have the sales prize where he said, and he was a big Porsche guy. And he said, um, something like, and he's, he's got this beautiful British accent. And he said, if, um, if you close a million dollar deal, then you will get a Porsche. And I remember I stormed into his office with a smile on my face. I said, what makes you think I want a Porsche? Just because you want one doesn't mean I want one, you know? And of course I was smiling. I said, why are you going to push your love of cars on me? you know, if you're going to give me a prize, you should give me a prize that is my love. What do I love as a car? And so he laughed and then he said, well, what kind of car do you want? And at the time I said, you know, I really want a BMW. And so it's, you know, I don't even know if it was a year later, or two years later, or whatever it was. And he's standing up there and he says, it's wonderful, beautiful things. I literally was like, if this is me, I'm crying. And if it's not, I'm still crying because it was so beautiful. And then he says, um, and Tammy you know we um we got you a car and he gives me this um this key he asked me come up and he gives me a key and i see it's a bmw key and then he gives me like a a little toy bmw and he says but i've learned my lesson i wouldn't even pick the color of the car for you you can go pick the car at the dealership and um yeah just beautiful human i love how he inspired me to always believe in myself, even though um, it's tough when you're starting out, especially when you're sort of that against the grain kind of person that I was. And he's always been my biggest fan and, and mentor. And his view on selling and sales and um, go to market is phenomenal. He's been a CEO and started a few exciting companies. And yes, big fan, Peter Harrison.
0: Superb. Is there anybody else?
1: Yes. So there's a woman named Lori Caswell, and Lori was on my team for 13 years. She was the top rep at least 11 times out of those 13 years. And I've yet to see anyone who's ever cracked the code on not only building the most immense relationships, but being able to bring the right people in at the right time. And And, you know, I think there's a saying in sports where you say, like, never be on your heels, always be on your toes, meaning you're always ready for that next move, right? Lori was the top rep before I hired her, which is why I hired her. And then she was just not by a little, I'm talking, this woman blew it out, like, every year, she exceeded her numbers, and she was almost always the top rep. And every time she did a deal, Asher, she never thought she was going to do another one. She had that sort of raw, like always on her toes and she always built, I mean, the kind of relationships, like the only one that's not family at the client's wedding, you know, the, um, just the kind of relationships where she knows the kids, but it's, it's never an act. It's she's all in. And then the fact is the funny thing is she's the least technical rep that I had on my team. So that ability to kind of go in and really learn the technology, but She was so good at reading the crowd that she would know who the right person was to bring in. And because she was so good at building relationships and closing deals, when she asked, everyone dropped everything and they ran towards whatever she was pointing at. So yes. And she's also a dear friend who I love so much, her and her family. And she's just one of those humans that if anyone else is lucky enough to have her in in their orbit, you're... It's a good day.
0: Well, we need to have her on the podcast. We, need to we do. Learn from all the goodness that she's uh, done in the world. Yes. All right. So we have two more questions for you. One of them is very creative. At least we think so. The If we were to take this podcast and condense this in it into a hashtag, what would your hashtag
1: be? Oh, uh, I think it would be... Um, hashtag Rainmaker with a soul because I think like the juxtaposition of having been like a top rep and then leading these these very thriving teams, but knowing, you know, do that, being the first, being a great human, you know, show up seeing people, helping people, always reaching out a hand. Um, There's that book, you know, Rainmaker Uh, how to be a rainmaker or something that always stuck in my head. And so that's actually what I put on LinkedIn. And um, I just, I just love the the juxtaposition of it that people think to be a rainmaker means you're sort of like that kind of like sales person. There's like so driven, they're not even paying attention to anything else and you know, whatever, like, no, the way you get there is being aware, being this great human and, you know, caring about others genuinely and um, lifting up—you never. I don't believe in anybody climbing on top of others. I think the real heroes in the world are those that climb, even while you know there's as many people as they can carry on their back, in their hands, hanging onto their leg. You know, that's that's what I I strive for.
0: I for sure thought. That you would say hashtag once upon a time in sales, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's the name of this. So <laughs> I figured I could get another hashtag too, right? Like
0: such a sales closer, there, You're such a closer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, why have one scarf when we can have two? Exactly. Right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> we should also make this two piece in a pod. You know, that could also be a hashtag for both of us.
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely.
0: Well, this has been fantastic. And I know there's going to be people out there and because our podcast is global that would want to love to connect with you if they have questions. If they can, what would be the best way for them to connect with you?
1: Yeah. So first of all, absolutely connect with me on LinkedIn, you know, Tammy Schering, but also my personal email is t-sharing at gmail.com. I love meeting new people. The bummer of not traveling right now is I'm not getting my fix all the time. You know, I'm a, I'm a connection junkie. And if you think there's something, some bit of wisdom in here, you'd like to expand on or challenge me on, I'm happy to do that as well. And yeah, I'd love to hear from your audience, Asher.
0: Well, this has been fantastic. You know, there's so much goodness here. And, uh, you know, I'm going to save this one. I'm going to actually share it with my daughter when she's a little older, maybe like next year. And uh, uh, so she can understand sales because I, I feel like we need to, like, teach our kids how to do this stuff when they're small. You know. And so, uh, but once again, thank you so much for coming on to the show and uh, sharing all your experience with us. And good luck with your journey.
1: Uh, thank you, Asher. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.